Welcome back. It's me, the Susan Anime, and you are listening to Sloth Under the Sea with me. And we will be talking about movies, TV shows, books, fun holidays, everything from other countries to does this still hold up to this day? From, like, rub brats to, like, as told by Ginger, to Movie Monday, to True Creepy Things Tuesday, to whatever I feel like talking about because this is my podcast. And I hope you all will stay and listen to me and have some good old-fashioned podcast fun. And we'll try to stay as calm as we can. But let's get into it and let's all have some fun listening. And you can also see me sometimes on YouTube doing my podcast as well. Okay, here we go. podcast is for kids, so ask a parent, guardian, before watching, buying, or doing anything. Or listening to a podcast. It may or may not like the podcast contenter content, so always ask permission before you do something. But I would say, I hope you all like my podcast, enjoy the things I talk about. On the one podcast, I talk about animals and mythical creatures. On the other, I talk about like Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, Dumbo, Disney, Easter eggs, stuff like that. So I do have like two, I do two characters that have podcasts. One's like a mermaid hybrid. She's like a fairy mermaid creature. And the other's like a person who likes boy and girl things and talks about them, like Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, um, Dragon Ball Z if you want. So check it out. Enjoy. This is a kid disclaimer. This is made for kids. Always ask 
a parent, guardian, or someone who is in charge of you before watching, buying, listening to, or doing anything in my podcast, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I also hope you all have a wonderful day and enjoy some of these videos and podcasts and different things that I do. And remember, don't always do stuff you see at home. You should be cautious and make sure it's the right thing for you. And make sure your parents are okay with it or your guardian. I also hope you all have a wonderful, great day, afternoon, and night. And I hope every kid out there is enjoying their free time. And have a great, wonderful day and enjoy my Hello, I am your host, Anime, or the Susan Anime O'Haga. Introduction into dog breeds. It is vital not to be seduced into choosing a dog simply on the base of its looks. All puppies look cute and are actually of a surprising similar size, but of course, some will grow much larger and have corresponding bigger appetites than others. This, in turn, means that they are likely to be considerable more expensive to keep and are, will require more space. There are also many other different factors that need to be considered when you are aiming to find your ideal canine companion. Nearly 400 different breeds exist worldwide, and these have been bred for very desirable diverse range of purpose, often the course of many countries. Okay, many countries. It is not their appearance that is different, but they can vary markedly in temperament too, and their trait is influenced by their origins. Then there are other considerations, such as the amount of grooming they require, their exercise needs, and the possible risk of inheriting disease to breed in a mind as well. The dogs themselves are listed in terms of breeding. Instead, they are divided on the basic of key characteristics, such as those that are likely to be good mixes are those that are athletic by nature. The aim throughout is to help you find the breed, crossbreed, or mongrel that will be most suitable for you and your individual needs. Oh. I, by identifying the characteristics of a range of dog breeds and helping you decide which type of dog should be a match for you, the owner, characteristic lifestyle. On page... 164 and 680 are two charts, the human selector and the dog selector. Each of the main chapters of the book features 10 breeds. Okay. Dog types. Young people who may be thinking of having a family soon, a single person with a child who's eager to have a dog, or an old person who's not 
had a dog before, this is looking for companionship. Dogs for beginners. Owning a dog for the first time can be slightly derating, particularly as you are likely to have many questions relating to your new pet's feeding, grooming, and general care. For many new owners, however, training is likely to be an area of particular concern. As a result, the breeds covered in this section have been chosen to reflect their stability for people who have little, if any, experience of dogs. The dog-friendly, eager-to-please attitude means they are very responsive in terms of training. So, provide that you follow the basic rules, you should find that this process is straightforward. Their exercise needs do differ, however, it is important to choose a breed that is suitable for your lifestyle and surroundings. The pug, with its modest exercise need, will thrive in urban areas, where the Labradoral Retriever will be much more suitable to rural living. Their coat's care needs are variable too, ranging from the whippet, those requirements are modest, to others like Shadeland Sheepdogs and Kennish Hounds which need far more grooming. Unlike some breeds, however, this can be carried easily at home. So I'm gonna give you some little information and fun fact. My dog, Kenzie, she is a mixed breed. I love her to death. When I was looking for a dog, I was looking for a dog who likes people, children, people with disabilities, would enjoy having a family and not being the only pet. And also giving each of our family members that feeling that we like this dog, we can tolerate this dog. Jade kind of liked her at the beginning, she still kind of likes her. My brother Peter kind of liked her, which was great. They're both autistic. My grandma loved her, which my grandma does love dogs. My other relatives, my uh, grandfather, he's like, oh, it's a dog. He's not a huge animal. He likes animals and he doesn't like animals. He's weird that way. My stepdad, who hated dogs, even liked her. He's like, yeah, I could tolerate this dog. I'm scared of most dogs, but she seems pretty tame. And me and Kenzie, Kenzie and I, have a very unique special bond that is stated I love that dog to death. She is my adorable mixed breed who I love more than any dog. And I have Kevin. And Kevin and her didn't get along at first because Kevin Butterscotch is just mean, period. But he started to get along with her after a while. That Well, they tolerate each other, then they get along. And she's like a perfect small dog that if you lived in an apartment, she would be perfect. I'm gonna pause you. We're getting back into it. Ooh, Boston Terrier. The stucky, boarded head and well-muscular dogs are ideal companions. They are intelligent, can be trained quite easily, are alert guardians in the home, and also very affectionate. 
Their care is straightforward and unsurprising. The breed has now built up a worldwide following. At a glance, loyal character, well-balanced temperament, easy care coat, pregnant eyes, or substantial to injury, prone to snoring. History. The origins of the Boston Terrier can be traced back to a dog called Judge, who was the result of a Bulldog English Terrier mating. He was brought from England to the U.S. in the 1870s and kept by Mr. Robert Hooper, who lived in Boston, Massachusetts. By 1889, there were already 300 breeds whose bloodlines included descendants of Judge, and they formed the American Bull Terrier Club. Opposition from Bull Terrier owners forced a name change for the emerging breed, however, so it became known as the Boston Terrier after the area in which Judge lived. Recognizing from the American Kennel Club, AKC followed in 1893 with the example of the breed then being taken to Europe during the 1920s. You may offer a mismarked puppy. Such individuals do not confirm to be the official breed standards, often because they are darker rather than white foot, for example. But marking has no effect on health. Boston Terriers have an appealing face which is reflected in their personality. They will form a close bond with members of their immediate family and are eager to learn. These dogs are suited to urban environments, provided there are parks nearby where they can be walked every day. The short coat of the breed is very easy to maintain in condition. Personality, affectionate and relaxed yet alert. Size, height about 15 to 17 inches, 38 to 40 centi 43 centimeters, weight 15 to 25 lbs, 7 slash 11.3 kg. <coughs> Sorry. Mm -hmm. Exercise, enjoys <coughs> a daily trot around the park, likes to explore Though not especially athletic. At home, adopts well to domestic life, prefers to stay inside in bad weather. Um, note, avoid exercise in hot parts of the day. Behavior, not always so friendly around other dogs, may snore when sleeping, especially when older. Use short training sessions to improve the dog connection, take care, around other dogs. Grooming, weekly grooming required. Use a rubber grooming mitt and wipe the inside of the ears and any tear staining with damp cotton balls. Common health issues. Permitted eyes are substantial to corner usuals. Large head means puppies may need a C-section birth. At a glance, loyal character, well-balanced temper, easy care, upright ears. These ears are positioned close to the side of the skull. Large head. Large head 
Bass a flat top with no signs of un with of wrinkling. Bass interior colors. Colors are Brindley black and white markings are seal, which is black, white, and a reddish coat. Ooh, Labrador Retrievers. At a glance, good family dog. Res responsive to training, tolerant, nature, and active. Straightforward coat care can be prone to obesity. The Labrador door retriever the most popular breed of the dog in the world today is the archaeological type family dog being well suited to a home with children who could compete with its high energy level it is a very responsive nature the history of this breed lie in the canada state of new fin oak canadian state of newfoundland where its ancestors work as fishermen. Companions, one of their characteristics still appears in Labradors today with a readiness to enter water. I'm just going to read the unicorn book and then we'll talk about dogs on the other um, Sunday, maybe? Real life unicorns. Okay, we already said that. Unicorn fish. This type of fish has a rostral probotence. A fancy way of saying something sticking out of its face. That makes it look like a unicorn. Different unifish can have different sized horns. They live around corals, fresh in the Pacific and Indian Oceans. And when they are young, they eat algae from the coral. But when some unifish get older, their growing horn keeps them from reaching the algae. They have to change their whole diet to survive. Their horn prevents their mouth from getting near the coral, so instead they begin to eat zooplankton, microscopic animals floating in the water. Ah, Siberian unicorn. This is the one that I really think could have been mistaken for a unicorn because it looks almost like an unicorn, but not what we think. Hundreds of thousands of years ago, there was another type of one-horned animal. It grew to six feet tall and 15 feet long, and it lived in Siberia. It resembled the rhinoceros, but its horn was close to its forehead. Most of these creatures died out about 3,500, 3, no, 350,000 years ago, but some survived for thousands of years more as recently as 29,000 years ago in a small area of K-A-Z-A-K-H-S-T-A-N. Hang on for a sec, I'm gonna pause ya. Let's continue. I think the Siberian unicorn, like a lot of people think that's the real one that they were talking about because there's like pictures and fossils and it's just interesting. Nor rolls the unicorns of the sea. 
They really are the unicorns of the sea. I like narwhals. Narwhals, narwhals. Oh, there was a song, I'm so old. There was a song from back in the day called Narwhals. Of all the real life creatures connected to unicorns, the narwhal is one of the most important. Narwhals are whales that live in the Arctic Ocean, usually in small groups. Sometimes called a sea unicorn, a male narwhal has a long spiral tusk. Their tusk can grow up to 10 feet long. It's rare, but some females can grow a tusk too. These tusks are a type of canine tooth, similar to the pointed teeth that dogs, wolves, and humans have. But in narwhals, one tooth just keeps growing much longer than the others, so long that it pierces the narwhal's lip and becomes a tusk. Narwhals' tusks are full of nerves. They are covered with algae and sea lice, so they look green. Male narwhals sometimes cross their tusks as if they were sword fighting, but they don't hurt each other. They're usually much more careful than they would be in a real fight. Sea lice are tiny shrimp-like creatures that live on other sea animals. What are narwhals like? A.K. a narwhal biologist. Kristen Lohr is an expert in narwhals. She studies narwhals for more than 15 years, and she's learned some amazing things about these mysterious creatures. Narwhals have tusks. It's similar to the feather of a peacock or the mane of a vine. It's a trait that lets males compete, compete and females size up their mate. What's inside their mouth? Narwhals have no teeth. They only have one that one task, their special skills. They dive deep, more than a mile below the sea surface. They take on deep breaths. They make a half hour long drive. It's pretty extreme. What they feel like. They feel rubbery a little bit, like a wet hard inner tube. What do they do if they see norals? What do you do if you see a norwal? Be quiet and don't move. They get scared and easily and dive. Made evil unicorns. Okie dokie, artichoke. It's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and Keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast. Please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon. And with the ad coming up soon, I know y'all might want to skip it, but you should at least try to listen to some of it. Maybe it's important. I hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast. And I hope the ad and sponsor is a good one, Artichokey. Okay, dokie, Artichokey. Ad break is now. Okay. Medieval Unicorns. Starting around the 
twelve thousands. Narwhal, hunters of North Ocean, started trading the tusk. They captured more widely throughout Europe. Occasionally, narwhal tusks would mysteriously wash up on a beach. Most people didn't know narwhals existed, though. They thought the tusks were unicorn horns. Unicorns were incredibly popular in medieval periods from the 5th through the 15th century. The religion of Christianity has become one of the most powerful forces in Europe and Christianity. Thinkers were to try to figure out what the stories in the Bible really meant. Over time, they started associating the unicorn mentioned in the Bible with Jesus Christ. Like a unicorn, Christ was seen as being fierce and strong. Medieval, medieval artists started making paintings where unicorns were meant to present Jesus. Once the image of unicorns became linked to Jesus, they started appearing everywhere. I'm not telling you what religion of all, I'm just reading this and telling you about different things that people thought unicorns were. The unicorn tape stresses. Weird. One of the most famous examples of unicorns in medieval art is the set of seven tape series made around the year 15,000. Nope, 1500? 1500. They're known as the Hunt of the Unicorn or the Unicorn Tape Series. They're displayed in New York City in a museum called the C-L-O-I-S-T-E-R-S that was partly built using the stones and columns of medieval monasteries and convert from France and Spain. To see the Unicorn Tape Series in New York, you walk through a French doorway covered from violent stone with a unicorn above it. There's a lot of mystery surrounding these seven tape series. They may have been made as a wedding present in a workshop in Belgium, but no one knows exactly where they were made or what their meaning is. Most of them show hunters chasing a unicorn in the same way people during the Middle Ages hunt, usually hunt deer. One tape series where a young woman helps tame the unicorn is missing part of the original, but it's clear from what we can see with that, with her help, the hunters captured and killed the unicorn. One of the tape series is different from the others, though. Here, the unicorn is alive but has been wounded. It has been captured behind a fence and is sitting among plants and flowers. This tape series may have been created as a bedspread or company. It also may be meant to show that the unicorn has become back to life. The unicorn tape series are really big. They're 12 feet tall and anywhere from 8 to 14 feet wide. They take up the wall of an entire room. Going from floor to ceiling, it would have taken a team of four to six weavers at least a year to make each one. In the room, they were 
companion. There's a surprise in the corner, eight foot long narwhal tusk. The people who made these tape series would have believed it actually came from a unicorn. And you can see that in their art, the unicorn horn looks a lot like the narwhal tusk. How oh, interesting that part of the unicorn was actually part of a narwhal. Okie dokie, artichoke, it's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon and with the ad coming up soon i know y'all might want to skip it but you should at least try to listen to some of it maybe it's important i hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast and i hope the ad and sponsor is a good one artichokey okay dokey artichokey ad break it's now part of Norwell. Unicorns love and marriage. In stories and art, young women and girls often help capture unicorns, and this led to unicorns becoming a symbol of love in the Middle Ages, and many experts think that any famous set of medieval tape series called The Lady and the Unicorn represents romantic love. One of the most known unicorn-themed weddings was in 1468. Marguerite of New York, the Duchess of Burningham, Graham, B-U-R-G-U-N-D. She was the sister of an English king and was marrying a French duke. A set of narble tusks were hung over the table where the food was laid for the guests and people wearing a unicorn costume came into the hall and circled the table. Today not much has changed. Unicorn themed weddings are popular. And when a famous fashion designer created a unicorn wedding dress, he had two people in a great unicorn costume. Great white unicorn costume walking down the runway with the model. What does a unicorn wedding dress look like? It can have many layers of fabric, pastels, rainbow colors, thousands of rainbows, glitter, lace, and even the image of a unicorn sewn across the front. But it's always a bit magical. How to defeat a unicorn. In the Middle Ages, Beastry Book, which where long records of all-known animals became popular. Many of them described unicorns and their natural enemies as if they were real hunters. As the unicorn tape series shows, hunters were dangerous to unicorns. Unicorn meat was not supposed to be good to eat, but a unicorn horn was thought to have special powers. Like modern poachers, the hunters may have been after the horn, not the unicorn itself. Maidens. Hunters were often 
aided by maidens. Unarmed girls and young women, medieval people believe that only maidens had the power to lure the unicorn close. As one unknown noun explained in the 12th century, the unicorn is surprised that a girl have no beard like some hunters do. So the unicorn believes that the girls are friendly, but when the animal moves closer, the hunters sneak up and kill it. Yeah, okay, my thoughts are, don't do that. Elephants, according to medieval baristas, baristas, elephants and unicorns were rivals who would s attack each other. The unicorn battle straggly spared the elephant in the belly with its horn. Lions had a sneaky way of defeating unicorns. When a unicorn started to charge, the bay cat would run towards a tree. The unicorn would run straight into the tree and get its horn stuck in the trunk. It wouldn't be able to move. Only then would the lion attack. Great Scott, I spy a unicorn. Because unicorns were thought to be so powerful, Astriaco, wealthy or important people who were often friends of the king, started adapting them as symbols. Back in the 12th century, the king of Scotland included a unicorn as a royal coat of arms. Soon, the unicorn became the national animal of Scotland. It's possible to find images of unicorns all over the country. Even at the front of a Royal Navy ship called the HMS Unicorn. One Scottish king in the 5th century had gold coins made with unicorns on them. They were worth 18 shillings. A half unicorn was worth 9 shillings. Today that would be 100. That would be hundreds of dollars. That's actually interesting. The Scottish unicorn is sometimes shown with a golden chain, which may symbolize Scotland's strength. Since unicorns were almost impossible to catch, a king would capture one and keep it chained up to be pretty powerful. Petty powerful? The unicorn also happens to be an enemy of the lion, and lions are a symbol of England. Today, the two countries are united, but in the past, when they were at war, it was fighting for the lion and the unicorn's banners to face off against each other. Why do some unicorns have wings? In the 13th century and 40, 30th century and 14th century, 13th, yeah, I was like the first time. Art, unicorns often had wings, but natural historians like Caesar and the writers who followed never mentioned wings at all. And all the animals that might have inspired unicorns lived on the ground or in the ocean. Some did the idea come from. One example is that artists thought of unicorns as monsters or at the very least made up creatures other imaginary animals like S-P-H-I-N-K-E-S and griffins were often pictured with wings. Naturally artists eventually gave unicorns wings too as a way to signal how faithful, fabulous and fantastic they were. What is a sphinx? The mythical creature known as the sphinx is the head of a human and the body of a lion. The sphinx was thought to be very disloyal and untrustworthy. What is a griffin? 
The majestic and powerful griffin is a legendary creature with the head, wings, and tussle of an eagle, and the body, tail, and legs of a lion. It is sometimes called the king of all creatures. Unicorn horns are for sale. After narwhal tusks started showing up in Europe and being sold as unicorn herds, people were willing to pay incredible amounts of money to own one. By the 1500s, a unicorn horn was worth 10 or 20 times in its weight in gold. The king of France owned a horn that cost 70,000 ducats, hundreds of thousands of dollars in today's money. Quite a fortune. Naturally, all sorts of royalty wanted unicorn horns of their own. Queen Elizabeth I of England was given a normal tusk as she called the Horn of Windsor. The House of Hindenburg, a family dynasty who ruled large parts of Europe for many centuries, had a narwhal tusked. The Horn of Denmark, built in the 1600s, is made of a real narwhal tusk. A scepter is a ceremonial staff used as a symbol of power, often by a king. The secret power of unicorn horns. One of the reasons unicorn horns were so expensive was that people believed they had healing power. We're going to leave off for there for now. And we'll do some more unicorn talk and what people thought were unicorns later on. I hope you all enjoy and have a great and wonderful weekend. Okie dokie, artichoke, it's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope you all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope you all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope you all enjoy this podcast please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon and with the ad coming up soon i know y'all might want to skip but you should at least try to listen to some of it maybe it's important i hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast and i hope the ad and sponsor is a good one artichokey okay dokey artichokey ad break it's now I hope you all like. You can check me out on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. I also have another podcast. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. Bye for now. Over and out.